Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I wanted to teach on the law and the power of death and its purpose. It's a, it's a, it's not a, it's a controversial message. It's a principle that many of us find it difficult to understand, especially when this principle is applied. And I'm talking about the law and the power of death and its purpose. Romans chapter eight, verse two says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Notice that Paul calls both the spirit of life in Christ Jesus as well as sin and death laws. He calls them both laws. Now, a law is a principle that always works the same way when it is applied. For example, gravity is called the law of gravity because it always works. Death is also a law, and when it is applied, it always works the same way. And it brings death to whatever it's applied to. What I want to expound on today is the law of death and how God administers it in order to accomplish his purposes. Let's look at a couple of scriptures on this subject and you will better understand where I'm coming from. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses 10 through to 12. Paul is speaking here and he says, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. What a, what a revelation here Paul gives us. You can see that both death and life work simultaneously in the life of Paul or in the life of anyone that is fully surrendered to God. Both forces, both laws the law of death and the law of life are working together at the same time in order to release the resurrection life of Christ. Now, God ministers the law of death in order to bring forth resurrection life. And it is through death that you and I enter into the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Amen? Death is also ministered in order to bring change or to cleanse 
or to purify something such as motives, desires, and perceptions. Every life that is born on earth must experience death before it experiences resurrection life. Do you agree with that? You have to because Jesus said so. Jesus said we must be born from above before we experience true life. To be born from above, one has to die from beneath. And that's what water baptism symbolizes. The death to the old life and the beginning of a new life. And Paul says to the Colossians, put to death your members which are on the earth. Now Jesus also said, if you hate your life and give it over to the death of the cross, you will find it again. But if you love your life and try to save it or preserve it, you will end up losing it. Now here is a sobering truth. Whatever we try to save, we will end up losing. And whatever we give up to death and lose it for Christ and his kingdom, we will find it again, but not the same way we gave it up. In a greater measure, in, in greater quality and quantity. That's how God works. And that is the principle of the cross. The same with every dream that is given to us from God must first experience death before it is raised to life again. Joseph's dreams died. God gave him a dream in his father's tent when he was 16 years old. But the dreams died for many years before they were raised to life again and were fulfilled by God himself. Moses' dream to save his people from slavery also died. And it remained dead for 40 years before God raised it up again and sent him back to Egypt. Now, listen carefully, please. I pray that God will give us, all of us, ears to hear. Anything that God gives us must go through death before it becomes truly out. Every ministry God ordains and appoints must go through stages of death before it realizes resurrection and reaches its final destination. Every minister of the gospel, if he wants to minister in the power of the Spirit, must experience death before he reproduces after his kind and is enabled to raise up others and equip them for their ministry. John 12, 24, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and does what? Dies. It remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And the greater the death one experiences, the greater the fruitfulness. The problem here arises when we refuse to die 
either to ourselves, to our own opinions, to our own dreams, to our own desires, or we refuse to die and surrender to the altar of death what God has committed to us. Now, I'm going to say something that it may be hard for you to swallow, but this is the truth. There are ministries today, fellowships, even churches, that should have been put to death long ago, but they continue to function because people continue to prop them up, prop them up, prop them up, prop them up. As a result, they remain outside of what God intended for them. Not only that, but they continue to be a burden rather than a blessing. And the reason being is because, here is the reason, we do not understand that the same God who spoke life once and brought something into being can also speak death to it. Jesus said to the fig tree, no man eat fruit from you ever again. And you know what happened? The fig tree dried from the roots. What did Jesus do? He applied the law of death to it. And the law of death is also ministered to transition us from one season into another. Uh, to reposition us from one office into another office. And allow me to share some of my own experiences. You who were on Friday morning at Pastors Fellowship, you heard this word, you're hearing it again. It's good. Jesus said, I say to you again and again, so it's good that we hear it again. Allow me to share some of my own experiences along this principle in order for us to understand where I'm coming from. First, the first time I've experienced this, my way of life as a young boy in Cyprus had to die before I could experience a new way of life in South Africa and how difficult that was. It was just before my 14th birthday. I died to my friends in Cyprus. I died to the culture, to the environment, and I was thrust into a whole new environment and culture. And I recall the first few months, I couldn't eat anything. Anything that I ate, I brought it up because I was not used to the cuisine. Everything I knew that was comfortable with died, and I was thrust completely into something entirely new. You see, something died, but if it didn't, I couldn't have experienced a new way. My way of life, again, as a businessman in Zimbabwe, had to come to an end. It had to die before I could experience a new way of life as a minister of the gospel in South Africa. It couldn't happen until I was willing to give it up, lay it on the altar for Christ's sake because I loved God more than I loved my business. And I didn't hesitate, but it had to die. And for a long while, when we moved back to South Africa, deep down inside me, I longed 
for what I had in Zimbabwe. And that longing, looking back, hindered me from fully experiencing what God had prepared for me in South Africa. Why is that? Because human nature hates change. But change is inevitable if we want to grow and if we want to develop in the things of God. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 5.39. No one having drunk old wine immediately desires new. For, for he says the old is better. That's human nature. We get comfortable in our ways. And, uh, and God comes along and he just tips us over. My ministry as an evangelist to the Greeks had to die before I could enter into another dimension of ministry to all nations and at the same time come into the pastoral office. And there again, as a pastor or a shepherd, I continued to function for a long while as an evangelist because I couldn't adjust to the, to the shepherd's ministry. And I recall as a result, the church almost was damaged beyond repair. It took me a while to adjust. When we started the church in Cape Town, it was called the Christian Greek Assembly and was geared exclusively towards the Greeks in the city. But three years afterwards, in the month of June 1995, the last Sunday of June, the Christian Greek Assembly died and I closed its doors and walked away. A few months later, was it painful? You, you ask my family how, how painful it was. Stephen still remembers it. He says it was one of the most difficult days that he remembers. He was about 10 years of age, I think. A few months later, the Lord raised it up again and giving it a new name, the name that it has now, Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship, with a brand new vision reaching out to all nations, not just the Greeks. We must, we must discern when it's time to put something to death in order to experience something entirely new and fresh. Remember Abraham had to put his beloved Isaac on the altar of death in a figure of speech before he could receive him to life again. Here's a question. Why does the Lord insist we deliver to death, the death of the cross, what he has given us in the first place? Why does he ask, ask us to put to death that which he has given us? And I believe one of the reasons is that to prove to ourselves and to God that we love him more then we love what he gives us. That we love the giver more than the gifts. That we love the blesser more than the blessing. Amen. God warned the children of Israel in the Old Testament again and again and again not to forget the Lord their God and create idols. 
when they come he says when you come into the blessings of the promised land remember remember the lord that it is he who gave you the power to create wealth in order to fulfill his covenant on the earth don't forget me and human nature has the tendency to be distracted with the blessing and we pursue the blessing we forget the lord we begin to love what he gives us more than we love him and another reason why he 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 calls us to put on the altar of the cross is to transition us into something new we will not know what the new is until we let go of the old I didn't know that God was going to call me into this beautiful city of Cape Town when I left Masvingo. I didn't know that. But I had to walk away first from what I knew. And then, step by step, the Lord began to reveal to me where he was calling me. The Bible says Abraham went out and he did not know where he was going. Imagine that. Where are you going, Abraham? I don't know. The Lord said, go, and he promised me a land, but I don't know where that is. That's faith. If you knew every turn, if you knew every road that you would walk on, it wouldn't be a walk of faith. It would be a walk of sight. Amen? There's no growth in that. There's no trust in the Lord in that. Here's another, another death that I've experienced, and this, this one was one of the most difficult ones. For 10 years, from 1987 to 1997, my ministry in Greece grew and brought much fruit. But at the close of 10 years, I began to see signs of death everywhere I looked. We had a television ministry reaching thousands of Greeks. Established three churches in three main cities. We've seen many people come to the Lord, many delivered, healed. But in the following year, after night, when I saw the evidence of death, I buried it and I walked away from it. It was very painful. A very painful experience and it took me a very long time to recover both spiritually and emotionally I would say at least three years I couldn't understand why this happened and the more I asked why the more confused I got and I came to the place where I didn't ask why anymore I just waited on the Lord and I just prayed I worshiped, I trusted, even though the pain in my soul was huge. But at the end of three years, I recall my ministry emerged with a new vision and a brand new heart and attitude. From a preacher and a teacher of the word, the Lord did something in my darkest hours that transformed my ministry and out of death and pain I emerged with the heart of a father it was then when God developed and stretched my heart 
to become a father, not just a preacher. To love people with the love of the Father, to, to take a personal interest in them, to care, to father them, not just preach to them from the pulpit. And that's when I began not only to teach and to preach to those whom God has given me, but to father them. And that was 20 years ago. But how did that emerge? It emerged out of a long and sorrowful and painful night. The Bible says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Man, it was one long night and a painful night. How do we know when it's time to deliver a ministry, a method, or a season? to death well here's the first evidence if you can smell in the spirit you will smell the stench of death on it what do i mean by that signs of death and decay are clearly evident no life in it and it continues to hemorrhage no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you fast, things continue to deteriorate. And, and I've realized that to keep breathing life into something that God spoke death to is not only a waste of time, but a burdensome exercise and very tough going, very frustrating. And unless we are willing to go through death again and again and again, we will stagnate both in our personal walk with the Lord as well as in our ministries. Now, here is a verse of scripture that tells us what happens to people who are at ease, who are not emptied out from vessel to vessel, and who refuse to accept the change that God is bringing. Look at Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 11. Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him and his scent has not changed. Notice what happened to Moab. The word says his taste remained in him and his scent has not changed, meaning there was no change in him, no continuity, no progression, because he has not been emptied out from one vessel to another. Now here is the principle that underlines the text. We require to be unsettled in life by many changes and interruptions of adversity in order to be most effectually loosened from our own wills and prepared to do the will of God and the work of God. It's so true. We require to be unsettled in life by many changes, interruptions of adversity, 
in order to be most effectually loosened, released, set free from our own will to do the will of God. And finally, I want to share one more experience with you. I'm sharing experience after experience after experience because what I'm preaching to you and what I'm teaching today is not something I read in a book. It's something that I lived for 40 years and I've experienced this in ministry over and over again. In the year of 1987, 87, I was summoned to see the Bishop of the Orthodox Church in Johannesburg this time because I was causing major problems within the Greek Orthodox structures. I recall that I sat with two of my ministry partners in a room and I was surrounded first by the bishop and various other priests from other parishes and began to throw all sorts of questions at me. Where did you study? Where is your degree? Who gave you the right to preach uh, to the Greek people? And on and on and on and on went. And they went on. And the end result, I was excommunicated again for the second time, but from the Greek Orthodox Church in South Africa this time. I went back to Zimbabwe, disillusioned, disappointed, and very heartbroken. That was my dream. That was my life to preach and evangelize the Greek people. And now it was taken away, gone, forbidden excommunicate and I recall I recall those days just as it was yesterday for days I sat before the Lord during a time of prayer and not even able to pray I couldn't pray the pain was too strong and one particular morning after I don't know how many days the Lord broke through the clouds and the pain and he spoke to me through this word Second Corinthians 13 and verse 4. That's why I love the word so much. Because it's the word that carried me. It's the word that comforted me. It's the word that guided me. It's the word that strengthened me. For though, speaking of Jesus, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. And when I read that scripture, the Spirit spoke, and this is what he said, Son, they have crucified and buried your ministry, but I will raise it up again, and I will empower you to touch every corner of the Greek community worldwide. And in the years that followed, God did exactly what he said, and I went from country to country, preaching to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. From South Africa to Cyprus, from Cyprus to Greece, from Greece to the United States, from the United States to Australia, all over preaching to the Greek communities without the blessing of the bishop. But I had the blessing of the Lord. And that's why I mentioned that scripture. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy will always come in the morning. And I've had some long, long nights in my ministry over the years. But God always never failed to come with joy in the morning.
And so it will be with you. If you will allow the Lord to do what he desires to do in your own life. And that's why often we need to say to the Lord, Lord, I am willing. Here I am. I am willing to put to death, to walk away from whatever you want me to walk away from. Search my heart. See if there be any idols there that I'm not even aware of. See if there be anything that I love more than I love you. And empower me through your grace to deliver it to the death of the cross. Because I love you more than I love anything else in this world. And believe me, God will test you. Just like he tested Abraham. And so I leave you with these thoughts. I pray they meant something to you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what the Lord is saying to you. But this message to me has meant so much over the years. Paul says, I die daily. And it is through death that he experienced the resurrection life of the Lord Jesus. That's why he said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your mysteries, for your laws, for your principles. They always work, Lord. And I thank you tonight for your precious word. I thank you for every person that is on the screen, for those who could not be with us today. And I ask that you would give us light, truth, revelation, and empower us to grow and to develop in the things of the Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.